Hey, Deer Creek Church, this is Aaron Ellis from Simply Disciples. Our fall small group semester is coming to a close in just a couple of weeks during the week of December 10th, 2023. Through the fall, we have discussed the doctrine of Scripture, exploring the authority of Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture, the necessity and clarity of Scripture. We have also discussed the doctrine of God, His attributes, and the Trinity. We've discussed God's work in creation as well. But for our final fall episode of Simply Disciples, we would like to hear from you. If you have any questions about anything we have discussed or want to ask a pressing question, you can email us at simplydisciples at deercreekchurch.com or you can go to deercreekchurch.com forward slash simply disciples and there you will find a form to submit your question so please write to us a question we would love to hear from you then tune in on december 10th and listen to see if we address your question directly again you can either email your question to simply disciples at deercreekchurch.com or you can go to deercreekchurch.com forward slash simply disciples and there you can submit your question well we hope to hear from you and we look forward to hearing from you and we look forward to answering your questions on december 10th Hello there, Deer Creek Church. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Simply Disciples, a discipleship podcast designed to help us at the church think and act faithfully together in a changing world. Today, I'm joined by Daniel Nealon, lead pastor of Deer Creek Church, Chad, associate pastor here at Deer Creek Church, and my name is Aaron Ellis, and I'm the worship director. It's good to be together, right, guys? Yes, I'm happy to see your faces. Hey, well, I want to just jump right into our discussion Last week, we looked at Genesis chapter 1, and maybe the most remarkable statement in that account is Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. On the sixth day of of the creation, God said this. He said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So guys, when we talk about the image of God. And when we speak of God creating us in his image, what is what exactly is the scripture saying? What what does it mean by all that? And and can we just take a moment and just talk about that? Where That's does good. that come from? And uh what is meant by that? Yeah. Well, it it's probably best explained and again, you can pick up this on the next steps table uh what we believe which has questions and answers from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. That uh, catechism, it's question 10, asks the question, how did God create man? And the answer tells us exactly what it means. It says, God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, with dominion over the creature. So those four points are all drawn from other places in Scripture about what it means to be made in God's image, But at its core, those four things, his image is reflected in us through knowledge, righteousness, holiness, and our dominion as human beings over the rest of creation. Yeah, so that's a good starting point. And, um, but I do want to, I do want, yeah, good job, Daniel. (laughs) Pat yourself on the back over there. Hey, let's spend a moment, let's unpack all those and and let's talk about what that means. So you mentioned knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, I I can, I can speak to knowledge. Um, 
So knowledge meaning we can know God, we have the capacity for reason, which separates us uh, from the animals, right? Mm -hmm. Knowledge is not simply information about God, but to know, that term in quotes, to know in Scripture is much more rich. To know someone is to have deep intimacy. It is deep fellowship with another person. And uh, we get this idea from Colossians chapter Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, yep. where it speaks of putting off the old, uh, the old self, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Hmm. So it goes like this. We were created in God's image to know him, to have deep intimacy, deep fellowship with him. Yet, because of our sins, uh, our minds are hostile to God. Romans speaks about this in multiple places. Yeah. Uh, we do not acknowledge God. In fact, we suppress the truth of God with our minds. But the good news, because of Jesus, his resurrection gives us new life, new spiritual life. We are renewed in our minds. God has given us minds that are reborn and receive his truth. Yeah. And you mentioned this, Chad. It's a good point. This is unique to human beings too, right? No other creature has the capacity for reason like humanity. No other creature can relate to God in this very intimate, worshipful way, like human beings do, right? Giraffes, raccoons, any other creature in all of creation, they can't know God as we humans can know God. That's distinct. And this is important. We're not hating on dogs and cats. No. They're just, (laughs) they're different. I have a dog. (laughs) No. (laughs) And I love Lucy. But... Man, you transferred from a cat person to a dog person. (laughs) Well, at least that's what I'm aware of. Right. Let's not talk about okay, that. Okay, well, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> well, also, Ephesians 4.24 says, and to put on the new self, created mm-hmm. after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, basically, this is saying something very similar to what um, was said in Colossians chapter 3. But what, the, what this is saying is that the, the image of God in humankind mm-hmm. means we were created originally in, with righteous. And, and holiness. And so mm-hmm. uh, that is before sin entered the world, Adam and Eve were perfectly righteous. They were perfectly obedient to God. Mm-hmm. They were also holy. They were set apart by God to serve God and to worship God. So just to sum, sum up the points that we've made, um, we've talked about uh, knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. And this is what it means to bear God's image. Yeah, and one, and one point we actually uh, didn't mention is, yeah, dominion over the creatures, too. Mm -hmm. Like, human beings have been given a special responsibility under God Mm -hmm. to actually steward his creation, which, again, because of sin, has gone poorly. Yeah, Yeah, we we do not get that perfectly. Well, I also noticed that each of you made the point that the image of God was different when God originally created Adam and Eve, and and how we experience the world now following the interests of, of sin into the world, right? You, mm-hmm. you mentioned those two things, like how, how the sin has affected that image and how we can understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think a good image here, just a visual, would be think of a mirror, typical mirror in our, in our homes, versus like a funhouse mirror. So mirrors in our homes gives us a perfect image, reflects back what exactly we look like. Funhouse mirror, uh, they distort, they di- twist various images. Mm-hmm. And we see this in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, that before sin, um, we had these things naturally. We knew God, had original 
fellowship with God. Mm-hmm. We were originally righteous, created with every disposition, uh, disposition to obey God's commands. We were originally set apart and holy, separate, uh, separated as God's creatures who would serve him and love him uniquely. So that was the original mirror. Mm-hmm. But now let's talk about the, the distorted, the funhouse mirror. So those things, those qualities I just mentioned are intact but distorted. They're perverted. We still know God, but because of our sin, we suppress the truth of God, the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18 talks about the fact that we're darkened in our understanding. Yeah. We don't think rightly anymore. Mm-hmm. No, we do yeah. not. Yeah. And like you mentioned, that's a great point of suppressing truth. Like, it's not that we're just kind of darkened. We actually can know the truth and then we actively, you know, press it down and try and subdue it and try and make it untrue. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. gives us great hope for any time we're in any conversation with anyone totally. that their yes. hearts may be hardened, but they're suppressing the truth, and God can bring about in that conversation, oh, yeah. stir them to repentance at any mm-hmm. point. But anyway, um, so yeah, we still know what it means to be righteous. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mm-hmm. know God's law. It's written on our hearts, the scriptures say, but we do instinctively rebel against it. Uh, so we're distorted by our sin to rebel against God's authority. But, um, well, we, and we've lost our original uh, fellowship with God. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But let's, let's talk about image, though. Mirror, funhouse mirror. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just follow the Westminster Shorter Catechism on this. Um, talked about question 10, and um, I'm going to read a few of them because question 10, 13, 16, and 17. So listen to this. It says, How did God create man? And the answer is, God created man, male, and female after his own image in knowledge, righteousness, holiness, and dominion over the creatures. Daniel, you read mm-hmm, that one mm-hmm. to kick us off. The Question 13 then gets a little bit further here to explain where we're at now. Did our first parents continue in the estate wherein they were created? And the answer is, our first parents, being left to the freedom of their own will, fell from the estate wherein they were created by sinning against God. Well, then question 16, answering um, how this now affects all of us, says, did all mankind fall in Adam's first transgression? Answer, the covenant being made with Adam, not only for himself, but for his posterity, all mankind descending from him by ordinary generation sinned in him and fell with him in his first transgression. And then question yep. 16, into what estate did the fall bring mankind? Answer, the fall brought mankind into an estate of sin and misery. Yeah, so how God created us originally in his image, like you said, Chad, distorted now. We're no longer in that state of original creation Things have been twisted by sin. And you actually see these two realities. You, you see them in the Psalms. I, two Psalms stand out here. So Psalm 8 begins, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of infants and babies, you've established strength because of your foes. He goes on and says, When I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? This is humanity in original creation. God looks at humankind and says, what is man that you're mindful of him? You know, you created him with 
dominion and and God has this special unique relationship with humankind. But then you flip over, you know, Psalm 14 and there's kind of a different tune here. It says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if any understand or seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge, these evildoers, who eat up my people as they eat up bread and do not call upon the Lord? And goes on uh, in kind of a similar fashion there. But there you go. You see the mirror, right? Original creation, Psalm 8. What is man that you're mindful of him? Dominion, mankind, Adam and Eve. And then Psalm 14, post-sin, no one is righteous. No, not one. All of those great qualities have been distorted because of sin. Another way of uh, speaking about this, I like what R.C. Sproul says. R.C. Sproul was a former pastor, uh, passed away a number of years ago, but he said, quote, the fall of humankind in the Bible teaches that our sinful condition affects the root or the core of our being. It's a radical thing. There's no part of our humanity that has not been profoundly affected by the fall and by sin. The mind, the heart, the will, the body, the whole person in totality has been radically affected by sin, but that affection does not destroy or annihilate the image of God. So again, like you said, Chad, mm. funhouse mirror. Funhouse right? mirror. That's funhouse great. Mirror. I actually remember that I learned the root of the what the root word rad means. <laughs> rad. Through R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul, yeah, it was, because he me talked too. about, think about radish. It's the, you know, it's a root, and it's you know that's what radical corruption is. It's uh-huh. at the core, right? And think about this: at its most basic basic form, we are really answering the ultimate question: <laughs> Who am I? Mm-hmm. Mm. And what we're saying is that the Bible tells us we are made in the image and likeness of the God of the universe. So we saw the psalmist in Psalm eight says, "What is man mm-hmm. that you are mindful of him?" That is such a profound statement, isn't it? Yeah, it really is a game changer. And but want to want to compare it with this. Think about this post uh, that was on a philosophy website. So I'm going to quote. Uh, someone wrote this: "I know that we are nothing but specks of dust in this universe. Why is it difficult for me to accept that? Every philosopher and every uh, and even science uh, scientists say." that we are one among the millions of galaxies in the world, and life could exist in many other places. So when we zoom out and look at ourselves, we are nothing but passing shades or specks in the universe. Still, it is very difficult for us to accept this fact and make decisions based on mortality and insignificance. Hmm. I have tried telling myself this many times, but when the time comes for major decisions or choice— I think as if it's going to make a difference for me. Mm. End of quote. Incredibly sad. Dust but in, in the, the wind. wind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Kansas. Quote yeah. my, quoting my boys yeah. from Kansas. Yeah, boys. <laughs> but the, uh, here, look at the assumptions that we are just specks of dust. No more important than dust we see that settles you know, on our, our coffee tables. Um, but it's profoundly devaluing of what it means to be human. Uh, but if what the Bible says is not true, this person is at least being honest, and you can uh, may, maybe this way. Here's the stark contrast to the question, who am I? God says you are made in my image, endowed with goodness and dignity and deserving of love. 
But the secular world answers this question by saying, you're just a speck of dust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The profound devaluing. Uh, Tim Keller, in his book, The Reason for God, which is always on our next step table as well, um, he put this really well. He talks about he was giving a lecture somewhere, and a woman came up and immediately spoke out against you know, how the church has marginalized women. And Keller uh, said, you know, he agreed with her fully um, and said, hey, because I'm a Christian, I believe God made all human beings in his image. So that's why I think marginalizing women is wrong. But then he goes on to say, why do you think it's wrong? And she responded, these are uh, his quotes now. She responded, quote, women are human beings and human beings have rights. It is wrong to trample on someone's rights. I asked her how she knew that. Puzzled, she said, everyone knows it's wrong to violate the rights of someone. I said, most people in the world don't know that. They don't have the Western view of human rights. Imagine if someone said to you, everyone knows that women are inferior. You'd say, that's not an argument. It's just an assertion. And you'd be right. So let's start again. If there is no God as you believe and everyone has just evolved from animals, why would it be wrong to trample on someone's rights? Her husband responded, yes, it's true that we're just bigger-brained animals, but I'd say animals have rights too. You shouldn't trample on their rights either. I asked whether he held animals guilty for violating the rights of other animals if the stronger ones ate the weaker ones. No, I couldn't do that, he replied. So we only held human beings guilty if they trampled on the weak? Yes. Why this double standard, I asked. Why did the couple insist that human beings had to be different from animals so that they were not so that they were not allowed to act as natural to the rest of the animal world? So I think what Keller does there is he highlights this fact. If you don't have this view of humanity that you were made in God's image, then why is subjugation of women or slavery or any, you know, evil against human rights wrong? Why is racism wrong? In fact, if we're just specks of dust, it's no more wrong to flush dust down the toilet than it is to commit genocide, right? That's what, right. He's, that's what he's really pointing out there. Right. That's just a normal conversation for me on a, just a normal Monday morning, guys. Yeah, I know yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's but, good. Hey, this is true of us, though. This is true of us even after the fall into mm-hmm. sin. So we are still image bearers of God even after the fall. We still have dignity. Even in sin, a person still reflects the image and glory of God, and that is who we are at our core. That's good. I'm glad you mentioned that. Absolutely. We're made in God's image, and even after the fall in sin, we're still God's image bearers. That actually means, like you said, humans deserve love and dignity even in sin. That does lead to another question. This is one I have. You have some people who would say, though, hey, because I'm made in God's image, then there's nothing wrong with me. And you hear this in pop culture. Some will say, I'm born this way, or God made me. God doesn't make mistakes. That's not exactly what this means either, though, right? Right. Like, that, that's not what we mean by the image of God after the fall. It isn't, I'm just great, and I never have to change. Correct. Right. We need to be careful not to avoid one ditch and then fall into the other. So, yes, we're made in God's image, and yes, even after the fall, we still bear God's image, but... That does not mean that everything about us is good. That does not mean that everything about us is without fault or doesn't need to change. And so the question is, 
uh, created um, in God's glorious image, but fallen, where do we go from there? Yeah, and that's why Jesus is so important to this conversation, right? Because we're talking about what it means to bear God's image in a fallen world. And when you look at the Bible, it's, it's like a play. Act one, you begin with Adam and Eve, made in God's image, without sin, holy, righteous, knowledge to know God, dominion over creation. But then... There's more of the Bible after that. You know, Genesis chapter 3 on is Act 2, and you have Adam and Eve's fall into sin. So after that, we're still made in God's image, worthy of love, dignity, respect, but now distorted, infected by sin. So we still know God, but now we're born alienated, hostile in our relationship with him, born guilty of sin. We still know God's law, but we suppress it. We have dominion over creation, but now we use creation for our own sinful purposes and selfish ends. But then you get act three, and that is where Jesus comes into the picture, where redemption comes into the picture. Jesus shows us what it means to perfectly bear God's image in a fallen world. He also shows us that God's image will one day in the future be perfectly restored in us. So Jesus is the perfect picture of humanity Jesus is what it looks like to perfectly bear God's image, to know God perfectly, to live righteously, to be holy, to rule over creation and goodness and love. So when it comes to the sentiment, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. This is how he made me. I'm born this way. We look at Jesus and say, actually, yes, we are born this way. But when it comes to sin, in those ways that we don't reflect Jesus, that's not God's design for us either. Jesus shows us that when it comes to our sinful desires and those twisted ways that sin has affected the image of God in us, those need to be changed. And Jesus actually goes about that work, not only of forgiving those things, but changing those in us, making us more and more like God, like himself. So, yep. yep. That's a good way to end it there, actually, just right on Jesus and um, pointing to the fact that he is the perfect one. And... um, and he is changing us. He is working on our hearts. So we're going to have to leave it there. And uh, just want to say thank you, Deer Creek, for joining us again on Simply Disciples. That's all the time we have for this edition of Simply Disciples. Um, we hope uh, Chad and Daniel and I, Aaron Ellis, we hope to see you next time. So God bless. Have a good week.